Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Movie Mastery. I'm John. Jeff is here. This is the show where we are reviewing movies you send to us. We randomly determine what we're going to watch. And uh, this is part of the Horrortoberfest. So uh, we're doing horror movies, and we got one a week coming for you for October. This is our third one. And uh, this time we are watching The House at the end of time. La Casa del Fin de Si Tiempo or something. Yeah. Oh, until we, we just watched the trailer for that, and I had no idea that this was actually from, like, anywhere but America. I just saw that it was on a Netflix thing, and I was like, all right, sure. Yeah, when you rolled the house at the end of time, I was excited because I, I was hoping for, like, sci-fi. Oh, yeah, no, I was like, house at the end of time, that sounds... Something weird, and then we watch the trailer, and it is very generic haunted house. Yeah, it's it's a haunted house movie with the twist, as far as I can tell, being that it's made in Mexico. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a Spanish uh, language haunted house. There's uh, like an old lady being brought to a an old haunted looking house, and it then looks, it kind of reminds me of uh, when I had reviewed Oculus earlier. It looks like they're blending the stories of like this woman when she was in the house before, and it like fucked up her life, and then now that she's an old lady back at the house. Notably, there's old lady makeup, so there's no way those are two those are two different characters. Oh no! Well, the the whole thing is uh, there's a priest that shows up that looks. Uh, very exorcisty. Oh, he's hot too. He looks like Gael Garcia Bernal. <laughs> Incidentally, just putting it, that out there. Just putting that out there for anyone who wants to. Hot, hot priest. Hot priest. <laughs> uh, this movie has hot priests. Check. So, I, as far as what I can tell from the plot, it looks like uh, the house kills her kids, and then she like takes the blame for yeah, it. Yeah, she gets the blame for I mean, it. Those and those are police then, leading her back into the house in the in the opening. Yeah, there are police there, so it looks like she's back in the house later. I don't know if the police are protecting her, like there's people want to kill her, or if she's under house arrest. Or there's what's a going scene on. Where, where where the priest asks her who killed her kids, and she says it was the house. Yeah. So uh, that's we know off the bat that she's <laughs> returning to a haunted house sometime later after some horrible event happened. to I mean. I think we can basically safely say that this lady did not actually... I mean, that would be a really neat twist if the whole thing was, oh no, she's just a murderer going back to this house. <laughs> she's going to kill the priest now. That would be really rad. If it was yeah. just like, oh no, she actually did murder her kids and blamed it on the house. Yeah, and then she gets back to her house and they ask her who does it. And she says it's the house and then she just sleeps peacefully and wishes she had more kids to murder. <laughs> that would be a pretty good one. Uh, we get a, a, uh, a jump scare shot in the trailer of what I believe is the ghost and it's like, someone's abuela, it's like, she's gonna show up and be like, Boo! I made you champurado! <laughs> yeah, she does kind of look like that. She's got that, <laughs> she's got blank orange eyes. Uh, overall, the, the effect of the one shot of her is that it's like a, a, a jack-o'-lantern was given life by the blue fairy. <laughs> so, for like a second, there's just like this living pumpkin woman that pops up and she she doesn't say anything. And, and in fact, she's also in the, in the uh, thing later. There's another shot of her that, and someone's blowing smoke on her face. <laughs> smoke right up her ass. Yeah, so. Happens twice. I don't know. Predictions for this thing. Current predictions. I'm gonna go with probably the priest dies. He, anytime you have a priest in a horror movie about this and 
uh, it looks like he's going to be one of the few people that's actually in the house in the, like, current day storyline for the old woman. So I have to assume probably the police officers, maybe also the priest are going to die, because that's, like, the only victims outside of the woman herself Mm -hmm. that I can see for the current day storyline. So I assume that. I have this feeling, and it... This is only because the movie is called The House at the End of Time. Is that I feel like this movie's going to have some kind of time shenanigans. Maybe her kids are ghosts or something. It's going to be something weird like that. I'm not sure what, but it's just because it's called that. I mean, that's such a weird title. I have no idea how it's going to play out, but I feel like that's a thing. Uh, also, I I don't know. Maybe that that fate that weird face is I, I don't know, like her her husband or something. It's weird. It's I have no idea. I mean, that's like the one scare shot in it. Besides. There's another quick scare shot where she turns around in a mirror because there's an old man with a knife. Yeah, there's a very quick shot of something in a mirror. Uh, there's... You get, like, your standard rattly door thing happening, but, uh, like, I don't know. I feel like there's a few... Yeah, I'm, I feel like I, I'm getting set up to be disappointed by this thing because it looks like it's just going to be a generic, very standard haunted house scare movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. most of the scares in the in the preview were rattling doors. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure that probably how it ends is either the priest dies heroically and she gets out of the house, or, like you were saying, like, the, the ghost of the kids fucking stops the evil spirit or some bullshit like that. Yeah, something like that, because it's going to be a whole time thing. All right, want to get started? Sure, let's do this. Let's watch this movie. We'll be back. I I need it for the, for the president. I need it. I need it for for saving presidents. I'll show you the badge. <laughs> I need to commandeer this dick. <laughs> Man, that would make for a great porno. Right? Oh my gosh. Like How has that the, not happened? I'm sure it has. I mean, we can't possibly know about every single porno, but one of those old story pornos with like a woman bursts in in like a Secret Service outfit and she flashes a badge and she's like, the country needs your dick. <laughs> I need to commandeer this dick. For the president. <laughs> Do you have a rat enough dick to save the president? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, anyway, we should probably talk about the movie, maybe? Oh, probably. I mean, it was real fucking good. It was a great movie. Like, okay, hold on. I've only said this once before. And it was with uh, Big Money Rustlers. Big Money Rustlers. Before we start this, I'm going to suggest... Go see the movie, because we're going to get real spoilery in a minute here, and you don't want it, you want to see the movie. Just trust me, we're going to get into territory you don't want, man. Territory you don't want to see. This movie has twists to turn. It has so many turns and twists. It's like twist and shout. I mean, it's like an onion with all of those twists and turns an onion has. (laughs) Yes, Exactly like that. Yeah. It's it's like a tree, and you can tell how old this movie is by the number of twists and turns it has. <laughs> it's like a windy mountain road, because it's got so many layers. <laughs> uh, this movie is like the teacup ride at Disneyland, and that it made me kind of sick. 
Okay, so, now that we've gotten that out of the way, the little disclaimer that we are going to get ridiculously spoilery, let's go ahead and uh, break down the house at the end of time. It wouldn't be very hard to break down, it's a shitty house. Oh, it's a real shitty house. Like, this is this is a house that, it takes place in two different years, there's uh, oh, 20, or, yeah, 2011 is the main date, and then uh, 1981 is the other one. Right, and it opens in 2011, no, it opens in, in 1981. It opens in 1981 with a woman waking up on the ground with a huge cut down the side of her face. Yeah, so she's surrounded by broken glass, you can tell she's just sort of woken up from getting knocked out somehow, and she starts wandering around her creepy house, and when I first was watching it, I was thinking like, man, what is it with people in fucking horror films and they never turn on a goddamn light switch? You go into a room, turn on a light switch, don't be like... Hello, let me walk around in the dark for a while. What's going on in here? But then I realized, watching it, oh, that house doesn't have, like, electric lights at all. It does. They get turned on from time to time. They can see each other at night in the house when they need to. They have conversations. Yeah, but it's all candles. Uh, Everything is candles. Uh, yeah, there's electricity. I mean, at one point, she uses she's there's using a plug-in iron. An electric clock. That gets shown, and then, like, fucking everything else is just, no, we use candles and nothing. I debated about that as well, but I thought it was kind of a horror movie convention. The candles automatically creep up a scene a little bit. There's, like, there's only two things you can do with candles. You can either make a scene creepy because there's so many candles around, or you can make a scene sexy because there's so many candles around. Or both. You could get sexy candles. Anyway, the, uh... The whole thing of it being kind of a dark, creepy house, and she's just wandering around, and she's going downstairs, she's trying to find her kid, that's sort of where we pick up, just very in media res, uh, something has happened, we don't know what's going on, she ends up finding, uh, her Nemo. husband, oh, well, yeah, yeah, she ends up finding her husband, Nemo. Yeah, and her other husband, Forrester. Yeah. And then, uh, it turns out that she was actually the man now, Dog. dog. God damn it. Uh, so, uh, and her husband is very, very dead. Has mm-hmm. been very stabbed. Big knife going right into his clavicle. Yeah. This is a bad place to get stabbed. Yeah, you don't want to get stabbed in the clavicle. Nah. Like, the places you do want to get stabbed are few and far between. Like, the butt. Yeah, the butt's okay. Uh, in your birthday cake, that's alright. Yeah, I got stabbed right in my birthday cake. I mean, which is another word for my butt. <laughs> That's your new yeah. thing. That's your new way of referring to your own fundament, huh? It's the old, <laughs> the old birthday cake. Yeah, baby. Why don't you have a little slice of the birthday cake? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. It's got a nice chocolate filling. Oh God. Okay, I've grossed myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Some people call my birthday cake the devil's food. <laughs> it's got a raspberry stripe in the middle, and I should probably see a doctor. I need to quit putting candles in there. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alright, no, serious discussions of things. Okay, yes. They're in the basement, doing stuff, super creepy. Uh, finds her son, and we get the scene from the trailer where... And you get this in a lot of movies where, like, someone's standing, like, in some sort of doorway or a portal somewhere... And then they get that uh, speed yank backwards. Yeah, yeah. They, the scare yank. The stuntman's got the rope around their net, their uh, waist, and then they pull them back onto a, a pad back behind the, the in the darkness. Yeah. yeah. So we get one of those, and then we get the super spooky cutaway to she's in jail. And, and just to make it clear, the son is very slow in this scene. Like the mom's like, 
Oh, I found you. I'm glad I found you. Come here. Come to your mother. He's like, let me just shuffle like an inch forward. Let me take the slowest step in the world. Let me just, let me just maybe, maybe. Nope. Okay, we're gone. Never mind. Yank. Yanked. Yeah, so then we we jump forward. Uh, We get the jump to the current day in the film. And, uh... We, I think, don't we get the arrest scene? Well, we get a, a little voiceover while it's showing the prison where it's like, hey, you definitely killed the son. And there was a bit of a weird thing with the subtitles where it said, you killed his son. Yeah, you killed your husband and his son. Yeah, so it was like, wait a minute, was she not the mom? Was was this just someone in the house? What was going on here? No, it actually is the mom. It was just sort of a weird subtitle thing. You would be able to tell if it was not the mama because it'd be a big dinosaur puppet. They would tell you. Yeah, they would repeatedly. be glad to tell you. Yeah, over and over again that that's not the mama. Yeah, that's. Yeah, they that's... would tell you again, again. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> How much do you remember about that show at all? I remember a fairly decent amount about dinosaurs. Like I, I remember the ending of the ser- of the series being amazing. That like they, <laughs> they, they just all died in the ice age and that was the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. All done. No moral. Yeah. But that's about all that really kind of comes to mind for me. I mean, otherwise, it was it was just one of, another Honeymooners thing. It was, oh, yeah, right, it was right. just hunter, Honeymooners, but with more children and shenanigans. Yeah. But that was just such an obvious Ralph Cramden dinosaur. Yeah. No, that was very obviously just family matters as dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, family matters? Yeah, family matters. Isn't the dad on family matters Reginald Vell Johnson? He is, indeed. Not playing a Ralph Cramden type. No, but he is a cop. He's he's the same cop as I understand as the uh, cop in Die Hard. Yeah, well, there's a there's a theory that uh, it is the same cop, yeah. and that he had to go into protection uh, after that event because then terrorists were looking for him and his family. Right. So he had to go into protection, and then terrorists found him and sent a horrible nerd to make his life boring and stupid for eight seasons. <laughs> oh man, that's that is the best revenge on someone. Is like, oh. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to urkel you. <laughs> you shall be urkeled. And no one will even be at his house. So he'll just be over at your house all the time. Just Are his parents dead? Do they not care? Who knows? Just creepily hitting on your daughter and building time machines and stuff. I th- the more I do this voice, the more it's become weirdly French for No, me. It's, to me it's turning into Dracula. <laughs> Blah! I have said Urkel. <laughs> I love the idea that Die Hard was basically Dracula's taking over a hotel. Ah! <laughs> uh, now I have a wreath of garlic. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Okay, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, man. Can we talk about the movie for like a minute? <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes, indeed we can. So, so she gets arrested and there's a shot of her getting locked in jail. Yeah, so then uh, it does a shot where it's her just like the back. So you see her from behind and then uh, it pans over to the lock to the cell. And someone locks it and then it pans with someone unlocking it and panning back, and she's got gray hair, and it's 30 years later. Yes, it is. So it's a cool little shot. It is exactly 30 years later. Yeah, indeed. 30-ish years later. Yeah, 30 years later. Exactly. It was 1981, and now it is 2011. Woo! Mind-taking! <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> God. All right, so, um... So, yeah, so she comes back... And 
I don't know why the 30 years that she was in jail, the house that she was in didn't get sold. Yeah, like repossessed or, or anything. Fucking I, torn down I, because it's goddamn crumbling. Do they not have property taxes in Venezuela? Who's keeping that house up? Like, I have no idea what's going on because she comes back to that house 30 years later. It's not dusty. There's not a fuck ton of cobwebs everywhere. Like, Obviously, someone has been dicking around in well, this house. Well, a family friend walks her into the house. Like, sort of. There's, like, a lady who's like, I tried to clean up the place so you'd be comfortable in there, and, you know, and so on. And the weirdest premise here is that she's being put under house arrest at the house, so much so that there are two policemen whose job it is now to just sleep in her yard so that she can't leave. That is the weirdest thing to me. Like, I don't know if this is a thing that happens if, like, you do a crime in Venezuela, but they let her out, and you're like, hey... You're, like, a really old lady, and even if you are under house arrest, fucking, who cares? Like, even Sav a guy, just one guy there, or have the two of them show up at intervals and be like, Hey, you still in there? Great. Okay, bye. Well, it's like they can afford two guys' salaries to sit there and watch to make sure she never tries to leave her house. Would that be more or less expensive than sticking an ankle monitor on her? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird to me that this is what they decided to go with. But what, I mean, it makes sense. The movie needs it, so whatever. Yeah, we need to have a couple guys there for a few scenes. And also to make sure that she's literally trapped in the house. Yeah, so that, like, an ankle uh, bracelet wouldn't stop you from just running out of the house. Whereas two police officers are like, hey, hey, well, you get back in that haunted house. I've seen a few movies now that have used the ankle bracelet as a way to summon police. Like, the, where the phone is broken, and so people are like, I know, I have an ankle bracelet. I'll run outside, and the police will come. Which is sort of a neat trick. Yeah. But anyway, so they put her in the house, and then she locks the door on them, goes to potter around her house a little bit, doesn't really go anywhere, and then a priest shows up. Yeah, so we get a priest, and he is one of the only people that believes she didn't kill her children, because that's what she said originally. Actually, his, only, his evidence for why she didn't kill her children <laughs> is because... Children are, or mothers are gods in the eyes of children, and no mother could harm her kids. It was, uh, no mother could harm her child if she has seen their her child smile. And I'm like, uh, you don't follow the news, do you? Because that happens, like, a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of child murder. There's there's a bunch of fucked up shit out there, so, you know. Whatever. Anyway, he, he asked he, he asked her what happened, and she's like, oh, just the house did it. Let me, let me show you the creepy basement here that's all... <laughs> Yeah, let me let me take you down into the murder basement. Right. And oh yeah, he's like, "Yeah, of course. I totally want to go with you into the murder basement where you supposedly committed all those murders." Here, you go first. Come on, priest. Go down into that creepy basement first. I'll be right behind you. I'll protect you with this giant knife I have. Look, I'm just scooping spiders into a bucket for something. It doesn't really matter what. <laughs> Two scoops of spiders in every bucket. That's how we do things in Venezuela. <laughs> oh yeah. You get a spoonful of spiders at every bite. <laughs> Makes the medicine go down. <laughs> uh, so they wander around. And he's like, wow, what's what's the deal with your fucking creepy murder basement? She's like, I don't know. When we moved in here, there was just a creepy murder basement. Who knows? And she's like, I, I don't know why she isn't like, did you see the rest of the house? This is the sort of thing that Howard Hughes would have developed the year before he died. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, they do get into why they have it. But when you're first watching it, you're like, Jesus Christ, okay, it cuts back, and they're talking about how they're, like, super poor, mm -hmm. and how the fuck did you get a house that's, like, 
fucking three stories plus a basement plus a sub-basement. To get to from her room to her kids' room, she had to go down one set of stairs and then up a different set of stairs. Oh, yeah. Like, this is a huge goddamn mansion of a house, and it's not like, oh, we got fucking, we're squatting here. It is full of stuff. Like, each of her kids' room, full of toys and books and shenanigans... All there's like a bunch of nice looking dressers and couches and stuff. Yeah, so, I, I get the impression that cheap old furniture is is not is it a pre not at a premium in Venezuela. So that part's easy, and I guess so is land because this house is huge. It's three stories. It's got a massive wine cellar of a basement. I mean, I, I get that's just because they needed the atmospheric effect. But the the problem is that right away in this movie, she's having a conversation with her husband about how they're super poor and they need to do something. Oh yeah, it's like sell oh, your giant home. Yeah, you're like oh man. You, you don't have a job, and you haven't had a job, and my kids are going hungry because we can't feed them, and he's a fucking alcoholic who spends the only money he has on booze. You're like, okay, you have a giant mansion. Sell that shit. Yeah, or sublet. Start renting rooms. Yeah. Well, it turns out that they apparently got it from the government when this went to auction. Yeah. So you're at least like, alright, I can maybe get why they got this house, but even then, even in a fucking government auction, this mansion is probably selling for more unless it is literally the worst neighborhood well, that has it, ever existed. It's neat because the mansion looks dirty and crappy, so it's 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 like looking in... Whenever they do a movie about, like, poverty-stricken South America, and it's like, oh, look inside this old house, and it looks nasty in there. This is like, what if one of those houses was just way bigger? Like, <laughs> just let's just take three poverty-stricken houses and just stack them on top of each other... Honest, it, honestly, stairs. Yeah, honestly, for me, it looks like the type of house that someone from fucking Homes and Garden would show up at and be like, "This old house has a lot of character, and it's great, but we need to do a lot of work." I mean, let's get started. We have seven days. Yeah, and they'd be like, "Okay, first thing, you can't have dueling banjo staircases because this movie has per- like perpendicular staircases at one point in it." I guess because the upper floors are separated from each other, and the only way to get to each half of the upper floors is to go up two different sets of stairs from a yeah. lower floor. It's it's like, okay, there's an upstairs, and then you go downstairs, and there's kind of like a middle landing, and then you go up another set of stairs across from that, which goes up to the different upstairs, but there's no hallway connecting the two. It's like, was this place originally built on a tree? Did the Lost Boys live here? <laughs> what is going on? Anyway, which, I mean, I'll, I'll grant the movie, the architecture does add a lot to the sense of uh, not knowing where you are, not knowing what's going on, it's very confusing and disorienting well, when all, they're running around. It also leads to a lot of really good shock scares in the background. Like, you'll see characters going up one of the sets of stairs while a shadowy figure goes inside of a room in the background. Yeah, you've got uh, a lot of space to work with with yeah. this setup. So, it's... In movie, kind of weird, but uh, for the decision, I understand why. Oh, it's gorgeous. It, it, I mean, one, we, we're, we've been making fun of it for a while, but this movie's fantastic, and, and a lot of the, the uh, ambient scares are really well done. Yeah, this does not rely on jump scares almost at all. There are, like, two yeah. in the whole movie. And uh, we and get... The ones in the in the preview are fake. They are not jump scares in the film. No, they kind of sped a lot of shit up in the... And then Taylor. added, like... Screechy violins to a couple shots. But the shot of the pumpkin lady is actually just some fortune teller that comes to visit them, and it's not scary when they when in the movie when they show her face. No, that's not the ghost at all. I was like, oh, this is some weird, like, crazy chick who died here. No, it's just some fortune teller. Friendly local fortune teller here to do one scene and have a weird pumpkin face. Yep, I'm here to 
uh, remind everyone that Poltergeist existed, and then I'll be leaving. Yeah, this movie does a lot of reminding you that other movies existed. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of reminding you The Exorcist existed. You, every time that priest is walking around in his cassock and looking at old uh, historical archives, and there's one note at a time piano music playing, Just and you're like... Ding. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. Like, okay, I get it. The Exorcist was a film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So we we also get a lot of uh, shots with the kids because that's going to be a big thing. We have uh, Leopoldo is uh, one of them. He's sort of the he's the older, chubbier, hyperactive one. Yeah, he's the one we see get uh, snatched. Yes, at the end, and then we are introduced to his brother. Which is Rodrigo. Uh, Rodrigo. Yes. And he's kind of, uh, he's the younger brother, he's a little skinnier, and, uh, the he's two. He's a little of, cooler. Yeah, well, that's, it's weird that he's like, I'm the more rebellious one. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, the two of them get into some hijinks, and in one of the fucking weirdest opening bits with them. Oh, yeah. They, they show up in the morning to demand breakfast from their mom, and R- Rodrigo in particular is super energetic and weird in that scene. Like, he is, he looks like they, they did a great job of filming a hyperactive kid, because he's just flailing around at breakfast and drinking so fast he chokes and then asking for more, and and so on. And then Rodrigo just sort of saunters in and is like, yeah, breakfast, whatever. Yeah. I got this. And then the two of them fucking Batman out. Yo, yeah, they literally Batman out of the scene. In, in a way that I guess the kid, the, you know, it's like, whatever, it's a horror movie. We can throw in a little, a little uh, scare shot. So she turns around and both kids are gone. Except she immediately runs outside and they're fucking on their bikes and going away. And she's like, hey, uh, be back. Before late, don't be an asshole. And don't be dirty when you come back, because then people will think I'm raising animals, she yeah. says. And so then, Yeah, and then they go off to the weirdest. Oh my god. Okay, so they they meet up with some other friends mm-hmm. who have some balloons. And you're like, alright, so water balloons then? Oh no, goodness no. That would be pedestrian. We're gonna pee in these. Alright. Yeah. There's like four boys, or maybe five boys, and three girls who are in this group... And the boys have to line up against a wall, and then they all pull their pants down, like, like they're doing a little kid pee, you know? Where they yeah, can't well, just... it feels good, man. Yeah, it feels good, man. <laughs> it's like, I feel like Rodrigo's old enough to pull down the front part of his pants to pee. I mean... Yeah, you don't there's... need to drop trow to do this. There's an age. <laughs> there comes a day. So, then they have a bunch of pee balloons, which they've decided to use seemingly at random. Like, they go up to a guy... And one of the girls is like, hey, uh, do you know where it is? And she, yeah, she just keeps saying, where is? Donde esta? And he's like, what, what do you what, want, little what girl? Are, where's what? Donde esta? And then finally she calls, she says, where is the son of a bitch? Where is the son of a bitch? And then they throw a pee balloon at him and right away laughing. Now this isn't like... Oh yeah, this is the old guy who's super mean to them whenever they try to play baseball. Or he's the th- next door neighbor in in uh, Home Alone. He's he's so mean to all the neighborhood kids, and he keeps telling them to get off their lawn. Well, it's just some guy who happened to walk out of a store, and they're like, "Hey, let's fuck with this guy." Yeah. Okay. And then they bike off, and then they play baseball, and it's just like a long bit of Goonies sequence. Where it's like, oh, these kids are growing up in Venezuela, and they're happy. And the brothers get super angry at each other at one point, and then fucking throws a pee balloon at one of them. Oh, yeah, the one of them, uh, Rodrigo throws, no, it's uh, Leopoldo throws a pee balloon at Rodrigo. Yeah. And then the two of them get in a big fight, where even though Rodrigo is teensy-weensy, I mean, he is... Oh, yeah, he is tiny. Yeah, he's a tiny little thing of a, of a kid. Although he, he apparently is in that kind of 
tough but wiry sort of look. Oh yeah, he's scrappy. Yeah, he's scrappy. He'll get you. Oh, he'll the, get you. One of them bantamweights. <laughs> anyway, he comes over and the two of them have a fight and then they show up at their house with one of the, one of my other favorite lines in the movie, which is, what will mom do when she sees us? And Rodrigo just says, oh no, it's uh, Leopoldo just says, get your buttocks ready. <laughs> uh, I love it. So the, uh, the two of them get sort of in an argument. They get sent to their rooms. That's when we find out that they are hungry and aren't getting dinner because fucking they have no money. Right. And, and we get one of the major things in this film, which is the mother gives uh, Leopoldo a pearl. Oh, yeah, because he's scared. He says, I'm scared of ghosts or something, and she gives him a pearl. Yeah, and the pearl is, look, this is a tiny moon, and anytime you're scared, just squeeze this and I'll come save you. And I'm like, so, I'm like movie, I've had enough tiny moons. I've seen plenty of them. <laughs> Just a few minutes ago. Just in the pee scene alone. Yeah, that was more tiny moons than I was hoping to see today. <laughs> so, uh, then we get the argument between the mother and the father. We also get another introduction in that scene, which is that uh, the mother is freaked out about ghosts or something as well already, and she locks people into their rooms at night. The mother locks both boys in, or has keys to every room in the house and can lock them from the inside or the outside. Yeah. So, uh, the, the dad, we find out, is a drunk, he leaves, he doesn't have a job. As soon as he's out of the house, creepy shit starts going down. Yes. So, immediately after he leaves, you start getting someone, like, knocking at the door and trying, trying to doors. open the door handle. Yeah, there's a lot, all the doors here are the, uh, the push-down-on-one-side turn handles. Those giant lever handles. Yeah, lever handles. And, uh, and so, the first half of this movie... Your your primary thought is every scare in this movie is going to be shaky lever handles. Oh, yeah. And eventually, the ghost manages to open the door. Yeah. Like, opens the bottom lock, but it's got a chain lock. So then, the door is just sort of, like, creeped halfway open. And then when she goes to check it out, ah, the ghost arm comes out, grabs her head. Yeah, and the ghost arm is clearly in a nightgown. So you see a nightgown stick around from the arm and, and grab her by the head and pull her for a second and then let go of her and start trying to get the chain to work. Yeah. Uh, and then she's like, I'm going to stab your shit. Cause I got some you. scissors. I'm going to stab you with these scissors. And then the hand retreats. Yeah. And then she kind of hangs out in her room for a while. Locks for, the door. For way longer than I would have assumed someone who thinks a intruder is in their home and has two children. Mm-hmm. She hangs out in there and yells. Yeah. Just, just like, hey, get out of my house. Stop yeah. it. And then eventually she goes, oh my god, I have kids! And Wait a gets, minute, children! And she gets up to run and check the kids, and so she runs off to uh, Leopoldo's room. Yeah, we get uh, fucking uh, Rodrigo yelling, and checks on Leopoldo, and like Leopoldo's like, hey, nah, I'm good. Oh, well, what was that screaming? Oh, that was probably Rodrigo. She freaks out, goes find him. Yeah, and Rodrigo's just sitting there. On, although during this scene, Rodrigo's room is also having the ghost visit on the on the door, the whole... Chicka 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 trying to open the door thing. Yeah. And he flips out and throws a blanket over himself, and then the door opens and he sees appear from the corner of the frame in a really cool shot. A a, a shape grows up and becomes a, a person with a what looks like a light in one of their hands. And then that person slowly walks towards them, and then the blanket's removed, and he just goes, ah, and that's the end of that shot, which is really well done. Yeah. And then, you know, neither one of them are talking. They're like, oh, did you see anything? Uh, no, did you? Oh, the, I yelled because Leopoldo scared me. Yeah, Leopoldo scared me. Where you're like, ah, oh, you little, you little bastard. Fuck both of you. Yeah. I mean, Eventually, Leopoldo's like, no, I did see, uh, the woman who was here. 
And she told me, I can't play with Rodrigo, and she gave me this note to give to you. Yeah, some police show up, and, and Leopoldo won't talk to them, but then when, as soon as they're gone, uh, Leopoldo tells his mom that, oh, I saw a, a, a woman, I saw a, a ghost woman, and she said, I can't play with, Rod- with Rodrigo, and here's this note, and then the mom reads the note, but won't tell him what it says, and just puts it away. Yeah, and so, uh, at that point, it's, it's kind of weird... The the brothers don't play with each other for all of like five hours and then don't give a fuck. Well, they get they get sent out to play by the father. Yeah, yeah. The father comes home and he, and and she's so freaked out about this that she's all set to leave the house, and that that has the one little scene of kind of violence and and the revelation that the two of them have drifted apart and aren't really connected oh, yeah. together anymore. Um, so she's she's like trying. She's like, this is ridiculous. I am leaving. This house is clearly haunted. And the you get another one of those classic great shots of. The sort of domestic violence happening from the mirror. Yeah, because the mirror separates you from it a little bit. So as soon as you're watching the two of them in a mirror instead of just in a, in a uh, medium shot, you're like, oh no, something bad's going to happen because we're seeing this in a mirror. It removes us from it. It makes it less immediate. Yeah, well, it yeah. makes us feel more voyeuristic than if it was just, oh, I'm watching it as part of the movie. You're like, oh, it's like I'm watching in through someone's window. Right. So basically, she's like, I'm going to leave. And he says, you can leave. If you take my kids, I'll find you and kill you. Yeah. And then, and then you know, just sort of... doesn't really punch her at all. He just grabs her and holds her and keeps telling her that. And then finally he's like, do you understand? And she nods and he lets her go. And that's the end of that scene. And, and That's how we get to uh, her going to the local psychic. Right. The next day she goes to a local psychic to try and get help. And uh, the local psychic pops out with an, with an old woman in a... Or a, yeah, like a middle-aged woman in a wheelchair... Who is blind. She's blind and she doesn't seem to be talking. And she's informed that the old woman in the... By, like, another fortune teller. Oh, this is my sister. She was in a car accident and her eyes were broken and now she can only see the spirit world. Yeah, she can't see what's around the real world, but can, she can see beyond. I mean, even if that's even if that's real or... I mean, it's, it's clearly real in the, in the logic of the movie because she does actually see yeah. ghosts and repeat stuff. But I thought... I was like, man, that is a really good fortune teller shtick. Ha! <laughs> Right? Like, if, you, if you're if you poor in life and all you've got is a blind sister, that's a good way to go. <laughs> so, uh, during all of this, we also get occasional flashes back to 2011, where uh, the priest has himself decided to do some uh, work trying to find out uh, what happened in the house, what's going on. So he ends up going to... Uh, the library, the historical archives, going through microfiche and looking up anything that was related to this murder house. Which is actually sort of neat, because if you watch just the margins of when he's doing this, it's like, oh yeah, something bad happened in 1951, and in 1921. Yeah, and in 1891 is when the house was built. Yeah, and it was built by some guy who wanted to discover the ultimate truth of creation, a man named Ibrahim or something. Yeah, uh, Eckhart. Ibrahim Eckhart. Right, he was a, he was like actually a German guy. Yeah, and... Uh, he was an English Mason. Yeah, and he was super Illuminati. You mm-hmm. see... You see Freemason symbols everywhere, so... Yeah, you see a bunch of the all-seeing eye. Yeah. And uh, in addition to that, we also find out that he has a big old beard, which is going to be important when we see at one point in uh, the 2011 story... The the old woman is like looking in a mirror and then sees like a bearded guy behind her with a knife and you're like, oh shit, it's Ibrahim. Right. Yeah. And then there's there's hints about what's starting to happen in the house, but at this point we still don't really have a good idea. But the priest shows up to talk to her again and and basically says, hey, there's evil things happening in this house and and you need to be ready and 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 uh, 
There's oh, at one point she walks by a mirror and the mirror has blood written on or letters written on it, and it's just eleven, 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 eleven. It's all elevens, and it's clearly not just lines. It's actually elevens. Yeah, it's eleven slash eleven slash eleven slash eleven. Yeah, it's it's neatly done, and uh, so basically he's like, hey, there's something really horrible that's actually going to happen here. So I want you to take my cross. Because I can't stay with you because they'll kick me out because I'm just a visitor and you're in, like, house prison. And she's like, fuck you, fuck God, get out. Get out of here with that stupid cross. What's what's God done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> she's, pretty, she's pretty direct on the subject. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when she was originally trying to get uh, her kid back and then found her dead husband and so on, she kept going like, oh, blood of Christ, protect me, which is a weird thing to pray to. If you're going to pray to something to protect you, you'd think you'd go right for Jesus or... Maybe the Virgin Mary it's Catholic, or God. It's Catholics, man. There's, what are you going to do? Catholics pray to weird stuff. Is the blood of Christ protect me? Weird. That's just weird. I mean, that's straight up out of the X. Ex- no, I guess it's the power of Christ and not the power of blood. Christ's yeah, blood. Yeah, it's just blood. Although, let's, uh, the amount of times I've heard some uh, preachers say that the blood is the power. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, well, if they're the same thing, then yeah. they're synonymous and you can use them. Every time my priest, Vlad the Impaler, tells me that blood is the power, I'm like, you know, I get it. <laughs> and then, and then, and he, then he tries takes, to take over Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> he's like, "We're gonna re- we're gonna rename this place Drakatomi Plaza." <laughs> Callbacks. Okay, <laughs> so, dude, a team of terrorists trying to take over Drakatomi Plaza. You know, they just announced a prequel to Die Hard, right? Oh man, like, I hope he fights Dracula's. Like this morning, they said that there's going to be a new Die Hard, and it's going to be a prequel set to, to tell us the story of uh, John McClane as a gritty New York cop in the in the seventies. Oh, good. That's what we wanted. I hope we get a, a a prequel where it just it shows us him as like a little kid. Oh yeah, that'd it's be great. Just John McClane as a sad kid. Yeah, and he learned that he was in, uh, just a sad kid, and he had a, he had a sad mommy who loved him very much. <laughs> And then, and then he, he went a, pod racing. He had, he had a cartoon <laughs> rabbit friend. Uh, yeah. And then he built a Reginald Vell Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, okay. I could have said he built a limo, but no, he built a Reginald Vell yeah, Johnson. And then he forgot that he built a Reginald Vell Johnson at some point down the line. Yeah, and so did Reginald Vell Johnson. Oh, yeah, forget where no he came idea. from. Yeah, he has no idea. He just thinks he belongs to, uh, who is it? The, it's the police. General Antilles, the captain of the police. Yeah. <laughs> captain Antilles. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yes, this movie goes on with a bunch of weird little scenes where you get uh, kind of the uh, the fake out that the ghost is going to be this uh, Eckhart guy. Because we see him in the mirror in the future, and then when it goes to the past, we get the fortune teller in the house, and... Uh, That's right, we left off with the fortune teller who describes some stuff happening in the house. Yeah, the, the fortune teller shows up, and we get a scene where they're like, look, we need you to close your eyes... And no matter what you hear, keep your eyes closed. Even if it sounds like a lot of your stuff in this house is getting picked up and, like, moved out of the house, don't open your eyes. Yeah. Well, the worst part, of course, is that ghosts that sound like us are going to come up later and say, open your eyes, it's okay to open your eyes now. You can't listen to them. The only people you can listen to are us, but we're indistinguishable from ghosts, so use your best judgment. (laughs) But don't open your eyes. Never open your eyes again is basically what I'm getting to here. (laughs) So, at that point, we get the, uh, the psychic actually starts channeling some weird shit where it's like, 
essentially a conversation between a father and son where it's, you're not my kid, I'm gonna fucking kill you. No, daddy, don't hurt me. I love you, daddy. No, fuck you, kid. You are not my kid. Do not call me father again. Yeah, don't call me father. <laughs> not meant to be. Oh, that's John doing his uh, Pitch Perfect uh, <laughs> Pearl Jam imitation. Yeah, that's, that's my Eddie Vedder, everyone. Can you give me a little yellow lead better? <laughs> Thank you. That was, that was delightful. Oh, that looks that, that looks real pretty in the uh, the audacity too. That's super pretty. Great. All right. So yeah, he, like there's a bunch of terrifying father son dialogue, and then finally, uh, the main character mother is is jolted to opening her eyes by the old man ghost putting his hand on her shoulder. Yeah, which makes her freak out, opens her eyes, cuts the scene. Yeah, we're like, oh shit, we lost contact because you opened your eyes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was that was a well done creepy scene. Then, it basically, the big night comes. The priest is not allowed to stay there, so he tries to give her the cross, and she refuses. And it, all of a sudden, she looks at the clock, and sure enough, it's November 11th, 2011, and it's 11 o'clock, 11 minutes, and 11 seconds. 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11. And, and, and apparently, all these ones built in this one particular house, where I bet you it's like at 11, 11, longitude, latitude, or something. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, that's the universal truth, and and here's the big twist, folks. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? We've been talking for 35 goddamn minutes. Are you ready for this? The twist is, all time is the same time at that 11, 11, 11, 11 marker. Every th- all, all the 11, 11, 11, 11s throughout history, every 30 years, combine and become one period of time for a short period of time during that evening. So... The ghost in those first couple scenes, it's just the old lady. It's just the old lady version of the mom wandering around the house. Yeah, so when it's the ghost trying to get into a room, it's just the old lady trying to go to bed. And she's like, why the fuck is my door locked? And then unlocks it, and then the chain is locked. She's like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. And then here's someone in there, so she grabs at them. And at this point, it just becomes a whole Rube Goldberg of explanations of what every single ghost we saw, we thought we saw earlier in the movie was. Yeah. Because it's like, oh my gosh, so what was that, that hooded figure that, uh, Rodrigo saw that he, that he hid from? Well, that's his, his brother. It actually is Leopoldo scaring him during the night where we get. Oh, we completely forgot to mention that yeah. Rodrigo dies. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's, that's important. That's, it, they, that's they, why that, uh, she tells the, uh, kid, don't play with your brother, is they play baseball. And he hits, like, a line drive into Rodrigo's forehead. And kills him. And he does it on purpose, because he's really... He doesn't kill him on purpose, but he hits him in the face with a baseball on purpose, because he's mad that Rodrigo has scored the girlfriend that he was interested in. Yeah. So, uh, basically, he, he accidentally kills his brother, and they have a funeral, and at the funeral, he meets some other kid who I guess was also with the Sandbot baseball games, but we don't really... Oh, he's, he's been around. Yeah, We've we, seen him in the background. He doesn't have any lines or anything, but at this point, he walks up, and Rodri- or Leopoldo tells him, you're the only brother I have left. We can never separate again. He's like, we will never separate. And they do a cool magic handshake. And, yeah. and the, oh, but we also got an interesting scene where Rodrigo, when he is uh, basically hitting on this girl, gives her the same pearl that we saw the mother give to Leopoldo, and is like, 
here, this is a little moon, if you ever need me, squeeze it, and gives it the same right. thing, and you're like... Gives us the impression that Rodrigo's a little shit who stole it. Yeah, you're like, oh, you little fucker, you stole this guy's pearl, what an asshole. Yeah, and the line. I mean, God, what a, what a little cock. God, you fucking plagiarist. Right, so anyway, he dies, and then at the funeral, this other kid shows up, and Leopoldo's like, we have to be brothers now. You're my actual, bro- you're my only brother I have left. And I guess probably because of translation, but the whole the, the time we are watching it, both of us were like, the fuck... Where was this? Does he sleep in the house? When did we see him before? But no, they're just buddies. No, we. I mean, we've seen him in the pee scene. We saw him playing baseball. Yeah. It's just always... The only reason I even noticed him when he came back and I was like, no, I remember you from other scenes, is he's the whitest kid. He's the whitest kid and he's got the most Pete Rose of all their haircuts. Yes. Yeah. I was like, all right, you're a chubby white kid, whereas everyone else is a super skinny brown kid. Yeah. So, all right, I remembered you. Right. So anyway, that, that happens and it's important. So when Rodrigo sees a ghost in the past, in 1981, that's uh, Leopoldo from like a year later who comes in and is like, holy shit, my dead brother. And so he can't really talk to him especially well because he's like, oh my god, you're dead. This is crazy. I can't believe I'm seeing you again. This is amazing. Oh my god, you're alive. And then he gives him the pearl then. Yeah, gives him the pearl at that point. Yeah, future Leopoldo gives past Rodrigo the pearl and gives him the line. Right. So that's why Rodrigo knows it at all, all the way back in 1981. Whoa. Yeah, and then... Old lady finds current timeline from uh, the back when both Rodrigo and Leopoldo are both alive. Yeah. Finds that Leopoldo instead of the future Leopoldo who has been past Rodrigo's death. Yeah. Finds him and gives him the note and tells him don't play with your brother because he's going to die. Yeah, he just says for three days. She's just like, for three days, please don't play with Rodrigo for three days. That's all you have to do. Here's a note. Do not play with Rodrigo for three days. And earlier in the film, Rodrigo did tell us he saw the ghost, but he wouldn't tell us who she was. And it's because he knows that it's his mother. Yeah, and he doesn't want her to know that it's her wandering the house because that would make even less sense to her. Yeah, which, okay, fine. And so then that explains why every time we thought Rodrigo was a little shit... It was always time manipulation. So we thought he was a little shit because he was like, oh man, you saw a ghost and you didn't tell anyone, you just said it was Leopoldo? No, it was. Oh, you stole this guy's pearl? No, you got given that by your brother. And we should probably talk about what's going on with the husband during this time period, which is that he comes back to the house, opens up a drawer that he finds under a bed, and realizes that... He finds a note from uh, the a mother's pre- lover. A previous lover. He, she wasn't even cheating. It's it's a previous lover. He died, and then she, then she, switched, uh, she started dating him. Uh... No, because they were still married at the time. I guess. Because that's I mean, why he's pissed off. He doesn't know it's not his kid. Yeah, I know. He doesn't know that, that Leopoldo is not his son. But the, the the note says, like, oh, name name your son after me, but give him your, your husband's... Last name. Last, or last name is a middle name, because cause he's a good man. Yeah. So, so his name's Leopoldo, whatever that guy's name was. Uh, Juan Jose. Juan, yeah, Leopoldo Juan Jose. That's, that's how you know it, he's actually a poor, like... Redneck, because just like in America, if you've got two first names, that means you're poor. If you're Billy Bob, you're poor. If you're Juan Jose, you're poor. I wish that worked, because I'm super poor, but Jeffrey James just doesn't kind of... Can- can- oh, Jeffrey James totally worked. No, Jeffrey no, James! No one's calling me that. That makes me sound like a, like a professor of literature or something. Joffrey. The distinguished Joffrey James of Cornell. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so... He, he finds out that Leopoldo isn't his kid, Ugh. and his the one kid that was his kid, Rodrigo, was killed by Leopoldo. So he's pretty mad. Oh yeah, he's like, okay, so apparently my wife had a kid with a different guy, never told me, and now this bastard son of mine has killed my only actual son. So he gets all liquored up with plans to kill Leopoldo, and Leopoldo doesn't know that, because he thinks he saw a ghost, 
And he, so he runs to his dad and is like, Dad, Rodrigo's alive. I saw him in my room. And he's like, I am murdering you. I'm going to murder you. I, you're talking to me about the kids you just killed. You're being crazy. I'm super drunk. You're dead now. And so he starts trying to swing a knife at the kid. And the kid freaks out and runs down to the basement. And we get the mom trying to stop him where he throws her into a mirror, which gives us the opening scene of her waking up next to Shadow yeah, Glass. Throws, she, she comes up and she's like, I, nothing, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do any of this. It's okay, let's just go talk. And he's like, I'm not talking to you. So he, he headbangs her into a mirror, and she falls unconscious, and then he chases the son down into the super creepy basement. Yep, and so we get, uh, then we find out what's going on with the old bearded man. Right, because he shows up in the bathroom to talk to the old lady version of the mom. Yeah, and is like... Oh, her name's Dolce, by the way. We oh, can just call her Dolce. Dolce, Dolce yeah. I'm going to keep saying it Italian style, because I, I don't know, for me it just comes off as Dolce, but yeah, it's Dolce. It's Dolce. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Dolce is talking to the old man, and she's like, what shit is going on, and... Who are you? What is this? And he's like, like you need to save your son. Well, they get the, uh, they, they give the code word line, because there's a code word line that gets used a million times in this movie. Look it, at, look at my face, listen to my voice. Listen carefully to my voice. Who am I? Yeah, and then they go, oh my god, you're my, you're my son, or you're my, you're my mom. Yeah. So we find out that fucking the guy with the beard running around is actually like a 70-year-old version of Leopoldo. He's Leopoldo from the year... 2071. 2071. And he says, he gives her a really cryptic thing where he says, Leopoldo has a disease that killed his father. You can't tell yet, but he's starting to develop signs of it. There are no treatments for it in 1981. You need to save your son. Yeah. Also, here's a knife. Please kill your husband. Yeah, and so she goes off to the basement. Uh, Leah or uh, the Juan Jose is down there being crazy and waving a knife around, and he actually manages to stab Leopoldo a little bit. Like he pushes the knife like into a him, very tiny just, bit into his chest, just the tip. Yeah, just just the tip, just right the, into him, right, just into into his uh, right, kid's right, chest, right into and his he's birthday doing, cake. He's doing the sh- face, no, right <laughs> to his birthday cake, right into his top front birthday cake. <laughs> oh, she's got one of them front birthday cakes. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so so it's. That, again, real fucking creepy scene of, like, the dad just, like, shh, shh, and just slowly pushing a knife towards his son's chest. Yeah. Well, he's like, no, shh, be quiet, shh, now. And you're like, fuck, this is fucked up. Yeah. You're a and fucking crazy o- guy. Old lady shows up like a goddamn hero, stabs her her long-dead husband in the back, and then he turns around and looks at her and goes, what the hell is this? And, and he's like, who are you? As, as, she, as he falls on the ground, and she says, look at my face. Listen carefully to my voice. And he goes, no. Listen carefully to my voice. You done fucked up yeah. now. And then she puts the knife into the front of him and leaves it there. And he dies on the ground. Yeah. And then uh, she starts talking to Leopoldo again. And she's like, to kid Leopoldo. And she's like, she's like, okay, you need to go with your mom. Uh, your mom's going to come down here pretty soon. You need to go with your mom. So I can't be here. I have to be gone. And he's like, no, don't leave me. And he's like, I have to be gone. So she goes down the staircase of that creepy hallway that he gets yanked down later. And then she remembers that, uh, fucking she has to save her son, and she remembers, like, oh yeah. He has a disease in 1981 that there is no cure for. The thing that killed her past lover was a heart disease. Yes. And so she was like, oh, fuck, I should probably save my kid. So the beginning scene from the movie starts playing out. The wife comes downstairs, finds her dead husband, or Dolce comes down, finds her dead husband, freaks out about it, and this is 1981, Dolce. And then she sees... 1981 Rodrigo, or Leopoldo, hanging out in front of that door, and she's like, oh, thank God you're alive. Come here, my son. Come here, come here, come here, son. And then, Grandma shows up, yanks him down the stairs, closes the door behind her. That's the end of all the time travel shenanigans. And now, she goes down into the bottom of the basement, and then 
just time fades into 2011. And we get a lot of time fades in here. Uh, and sort of the backstory we get is that... It's, yeah, it's the, a Freemason super house. The Freemason house. super house is supposed to be like every 30 years a time thing opens up and Leopoldo in 2071 goes, oh yeah, uh, fucking a, lo- a lot of the people that were in here in this old house are just living in the future now. Yeah, people from 1921 and 1951, since they didn't have a big murder like family battle scene playing out, all that happened to them was that they fell asleep in the house in 1921 and woke up in 2071. Yeah, so they like wake up at fucking 1111 on 1921 or something yeah. and then see there's a giant industrialized city around them and they're like, holy fuck, and leave. Right. And he says, oh, not even science or religion has been able to explain what is happening. Which makes me feel like, oh, so this has become public knowledge then? It's Time got, House yeah. has become a thing? Well, there's at least a few people who know about it. I mean, ultimately, a few people have to know about it, because the next thing that happens is she drags her, her 10-year-old son from 1981 to 2011. Yeah. Where he, is, where he is not only dead, but he has been dead for 30 years. Yeah. And so the priest shows up, and the priest had all the knowledge that, like, something weird was happening every 30 years and what's going on. And when he finds Leopoldo, he's like... Oh man, I'm so glad you're alive. And they do their crazy, ridiculous handshake. Oh shit! It's the bro- it's the uh, the fake brother, actual friend. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god, the actual friend is here. That's so fucking rad. And Except he's way too did- young. That's I mean, also that was- you're way too brown to be that kid because that kid was white as shit. Yeah, it's true. But I mean, you know, actors aside, the fact is he was probably nine or ten. And then it's 30 years later. He should be almost 40. He doesn't look almost 40. He looks like he's 25. Oh, he looks way sexy. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a super sexy man. He's he's at best like a sexy thirty. Yeah, so it's kind of weird, but whatever. It's it's the it's the friend. It's the friend. Holy shit! And then uh, the mom's like, "Don't don't be mean to him. He's super fragile and he still has a heart condition. Look, he can't stay here. I'm under house arrest for life for murdering him. And you can't. I can't use him as evidence that I didn't murder him because he's not forty years. He's not forty years old. Yeah. And so also, uh, he needs to get taken to a hospital. And I, being under house arrest with zero dollars. Can't do that. So you need to go get him adopted, and then keep him far away from me, and I'm just going to die in this house of house arrest, because I'm a mom and I love my kid that much. And that's that's where her story ends. But his story is just getting started, because he gets taken out of the house, past the goofball policemen, who are like, hey, who, what's this kid doing here? And he's like, oh, this is the son that was murdered here 30 years ago, he's been traveled through time. And they're like, uh, and he goes, dude, it's just some guy from an orphanage, chill out. Don't worry about it, I just <laughs> brought him here to meet the lady. And they're like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> we're, we're dumb police officers that literally do not give a shit about anything. Yeah, one of them doesn't even have his eyes open for the entire movie. Oh, my God. Every time he talks to someone, it's just completely, barely slit open eyes. And he's just like, I look like I'm about to fall asleep all the time. He's like your stoned friend. <laughs> yeah, he is like my stoned friend. You have a stoned friend, right? Have- I got a few stoned friends right yeah. now. Right now. I'll, almost certainly. Almost. Yeah, so anyway... Then he gets taken to what the priest says, oh, we know exactly where to take him to be adopted. And takes him to Rodrigo's old girlfriend, Sarai. She's still alive, too. And she's like, holy shit, Leopoldo, but you're a little kid. I get it. I'll adopt you at the end. Yeah, great. No, oh, I have no questions yeah, about this. No questions. In fact, the movie, the movie's ending is the funniest weak note in the film, which it just cuts back to the priest, and the priest just goes, amen. Amen. Yeah, and then cut to black. I'm like, don't you fucking end on Aw Men, you piece of shit. Well, you know, it's just like every horror movie that's got a weird supernatural twist. They never end with having a doctor come in and go, okay, so here's how the twist works. The house is a, is a time loop for one minute uh, every 30 years. So, 
Here's here's a diagram of what just happened. I mean, like you never get that. Instead, you get a fade out, and you're supposed to go, "Whoa, my mind is blown." My dick. And I'll, I mean, I'll be honest. We sat there yelling at each other for probably a good like 20, 30 minutes after this film, just trying to hash out exactly what happened here. Yeah, I mean, it, it all it's all got logical cohesion. The only problem is that there are occasionally uh, people who go back in time like three days later or something like that. Yeah, that, the the actual time rip that happens does not appear to be uniform. Yeah. It seems like people can go back in time to when they need to, and, I mean, for the most part, it's internally consistent. There's people wandering around the house this one minute from, uh... Well, it's more than a minute. More than a minute. For this one night. From 1981, 2011, and 2071. There are those three time blocks, that, and there are people wandering around the house from those time blocks. But there's also... The problem is, when uh, Rodrigo goes to see his, his, uh... Or when Rodrigo sees his ghost brother, Leopoldo, who's actually just Leopoldo from 19... 81 visiting that that doesn't quite add up because uh, Rodrigo was also alive during that 1981 time loop block. Yeah. Well, it's at that point you go, "All right, this has to be at least 3 days later yeah. after he died because the mother tells uh the early Leopoldo, "Don't play with your brother for 3 days." So we know in 3 days he's going to get killed. So then he then goes back in time again and sees his brother in this weird time loop. And you're like, alright, so this happened sometime between the initial time loop of, like, shaky doors and a second time loop where, uh, Rodrigo is dead. It's, the, the span of time there is odd. Yeah, it's the only part of the movie that's, that's odd. The rest of it hangs together correctly and is very cool. And I mean, the only other thing is, of course, well, if there were people in this house in 1921, and they were in any of the rooms, you'd think they would just materialize in, like, the kid's room and be like, Whoa, I'm in 1921. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, you'd think that the people from the first two loops would show up occasionally. The first three loops would show up occasionally, but that never happens. No, we don't get anyone because... I still... I'm, I'm maintaining that what happened is that they just fell asleep and woke up in, tw- in 2071. And the only reason there's any kind of relevant change in, uh, in, in for the, the family in the movie is that uh, those characters are having a fight at that exact time. Well, yeah, if you say that the there's a loop that exists between 81, 11, and 71, and then say that uh, there's a loop that exists between uh, 21, 51, and 41, then you can go, all right, those three times, so 1921, 1951, and 2041 are all connected, and then 81, 2011, and 2071 are connected. That, that, that works too, but that's doing the movie's work for it. Oh yeah, you, you kind of have to do some, some mental gymnastics to get to a point where you're like, I can explain most of this. The end result though is that it's cool. Oh yeah, it's super cool, and it doesn't do a scene where it's like, hey man, let me explain to you exactly what's going on. Let me break down how this house works. Also, it doesn't have a scene where it cuts to M. Night Shyamalan as like a local veterinarian who tries to deliver an allegory about how the whole movie is actually about Jesus. <laughs> you don't get that. You don't have that moment. No. And it's not just the one twist. It just keeps twisting, which was great. Yeah, it's really neat. I mean, the, most of the characters don't seem to ever really quite figure out what's going on. It's very impressively shot. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's logically consistent. It's It's creepy for the most part. By the end, you just spend your time going through all these revelations and be like, "Oh shit!" Like, so it's it's totally worth it. It's very cathartic. So hopefully, you took our advice and went and watched it. Yeah, because if we just ruined it for you, like watching it now, you're gonna be like, "Oh, okay, I know what's going on, and I don't care anymore." It's like if if you were watching Fight Club for the first time and they spoiled it. So let's get into uh, right now our favorite, least favorite for this film. Start it off, Jeff. 
favorite part of The House at the End of Time. I love time travel movies. I, I'm a big fan of uh, time travel confusion movies. So, but the thing for me is that a lot of the time they end up cheating at one point or another throughout the course of the time travel movie. This one almost does. It's it's unclear. I, I feel like it may have been explained in, in a way that I missed. But I, I love the logical internal consistency of this thing. So for me, I, I feel like this movie was just well scripted. And I would say that's my favorite part is that this movie hangs together correctly. There's no point where you have to be like, well, this doesn't make sense, though. This one. Well, don't worry about it. That's the power of love. Oh, yeah. No, you don't you don't get that. This has uh, 12 monkeys style time travel in that you go, no, time travel might exist, but you can't change everything. Any anything that happened happened. That So if you try and go back to the past, you are part of what happened. Right. The only thing that actually changes is that the grandmotherly version of the mom, the old version of the mom, the 2011 mom, drags 1981's son to the future with her. Yeah, which happened in the past. It's just, we didn't know that was what was happening. Yeah, that was the one po- point where she had to make a decision that we didn't see she had previously made. So that was really neat. Yeah. So uh we get... That, that's interesting. I'd honestly say... Your favorite part of the film. Favorite part of the film for me was how dedicated the early film was to psyching you out to being a standard horror film. Yeah. Because by the the second half of the movie, it ends up feeling a lot more thriller-adventure-y. Yeah. But the first half is so well done of understanding the tropes of horror knowing what the beats are, what you have to do, and it sets everything up so well to psych you out to be like, no, this is a haunted house. Like, just very good at doing that. So I think, I I mean, again, just the writing in this film, excellent. The way that this was put together, the way uh, all the shots come together, wonderful. Fucking the direction, great. Love it. So, uh, least favorite, though, weakest part for you. Um, I'm gonna say that it, the stupid line that that girl has with the pee balloon, cause I liked a lot of this movie, so. <laughs> when her, when her line for her, uh, I mean, that was like jerky boys level bad, where she was like, she's like, who is the son of a bitch? What? No, she says, where is the son of a bitch? What are you saying? You're gonna throw a pee balloon at the guy. There are a million good lines you could deliver in that situation. Any pee based line. Yeah. <laughs> she could have said, you're in trouble. Ha, ha. But that would be an English joke. Yeah, I know. She says it in English. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's like, I'm sorry, Kay. Okay. Kay? And then she throws people at him and rides away laughing. <laughs> I mean, that's still what he's going to say when she says, "Who? where is the son of a bitch? I mean, she, he doesn't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, so, your least favorite. My least favorite is going to be just that one weird inconsistency. Uh, the, the fact that there's a time loop that exists every 30 years is what we established. And then it's like, yes, every 30 years. And also a three-day period after that 30-year mark. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly how that works. Someone's probably going to send us an email that explains it perfectly. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know why that's happening, but sure, great. Like, there were a couple weird things that you can kind of explain away, like uh, fucking old man Rodrigo appearing as sort of the ghost when we've got the psychic scene. You go... That's Leopoldo. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. Okay. <laughs> So the old man Leopoldo showing up and being a ghost is uh, just weird because you're like, okay, but how how are you able to see him? Because you're seeing into the ghost realm, aren't you? Not into the fucking future, but oh, yeah, how is how is future him able to ghostly touch his mom? And it's a, it's a weird bit there, but whatever. That makes sense to me because there's a fortune teller in the room. She's like really doing fortune telling stuff. She's like, oh, screw your time loop. I can do this whenever I want. <laughs> I'm, I'm a crazy fortune teller. 
Your fortune is you will be touched by your 70-year-old son. Right. I, I would like the idea that the reason that the time loop is broken with the, the scene where Leopoldo meets Rodrigo is because the fortune teller came in and threw all the time out of whack. Ah. Anyway, there you go. So, yeah. Uh, absolutely great. Let's go ahead and do our ratings the way we do this. Each of us is going to give a rating, 1 to 5, uh, and we're going to add that together. That's going to be the rating out of 10. Jeff, 1 to 5, what do you give House of the End of Time? I'm going to give it a 4 and a half. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, ending is a little weak. The just the, the, I mean, it's got some amazing revelations in the ending. It's just a super happy ending. But, I mean, cutting to a priest saying amen was a little <laughs> goofy. So I'm going to cut it a little tiny bit for that, and then... Yeah, that's it. But a four out of a four point five, which I think is still like three higher than the highest score I've given out so far doing these. <laughs> yeah. So for uh, for me, I am also going to give it a four and a half. I've got that little niggling thing where there's just that inconsistency with the time travel doesn't quite sync up. It's not as good as I would like. There are a couple cheesy moments, like you mentioned at the end there, but for the most part, it is a really well done movie. Like, yeah. is it's one of the better. Uh, especially foreign horror films I've seen, because a lot of the time you can get stuff that, like, in translation gets lost a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like think that one movie, uh, Lost in Translation. Yeah, it gets yeah. real bad. Yeah, it's it's just awful. It's boring for a lot of it, but I think a lot of parts of it are really good. <laughs> I'd say the first, I'm gonna say two minutes of that movie is amazing. Good. Yeah, and that's all you need to watch. Yeah, pretty much. You can watch that part on loop. That's that's just the shot of Scarlett Johansson's butt. <laughs> yeah. Get that birthday cake. Get that, watch that Scarlet, Scar Joe birthday cake. That's all it is. Uh, so, out of, out of 10, we've got a 9 out of 10. Very high praise from us here. Yeah. We normally fucking hate everything. Well, granted, I have only watched, this is my third horror movie I've watched with you so far, and the other two were just atrocious. Oh yeah, I'm amazed that, I, we managed to roll this one up, and I'm sad that we didn't get something that was terrible, because I really wanted every time we do this. To just be bad, because the ones that I've been reviewing text-wise on the site, almost all of them have been pretty decent. Like, I've had a few stinkers, but I keep finding really good ones that people have recommended. Not me. I'm really unlucky. I, that's, that's, I just keep watching boring, found footage, garbage films. But not, <laughs> not this time. This time was my, my, my ship came in. So hopefully you'll be back to terror next time, you know? Yeah. So, join us in a week. We've got two more weeks of Horrortoberfest reviews coming out. And of course, every single day... I'm giving you another review of a different horror film. I've still been adding stuff to the list. There's obviously more things on the list than I'll be able to get to in this. But I'll keep it on the list for next year, or just if we need one for a different movie mastery. And they're randomly rolled, right? So if you add a a name to the list now, it still might come up. Oh, I've had a few times where people have added it, and I've either rolled it as the next one, or like two days later. Right, so. so... so take your chances. Roll those dice. Yeah, if there's something you want me to watch or something you want us to watch, go ahead and let us know. Uh, remember, you can support us on Patreon if you like what we're doing here. Uh, that's on the website. And uh, we've got the System Mastery Podcast. We've got the Afterthought Podcast coming up this weekend. We've got a lot of content for you. We love doing it. And we appreciate all your support. So until next time, keep it spoopy. <laughs> Christ. Spooky, scary skeletons. Can I can I turn it off now? No, oh, no. Okay. You me, leave it running. You, you leave it running while I sing "Spooky, scary skeletons." You son of a bitch. Spooky, scary skeletons. Okay, I'm done. All right. Spooky, scary skeletons. Speak with such a screech.
will shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. We're so sorry, skeletons, you're so misunderstood. You only want to socialize, but I don't think we should. A spooky, scary skeleton shouts startling, shrilly screams. They'll sneak from there's a couple of girls and just won't leave you behind. 